everyone, this is David, your host on this wonderful, incredible, magical journey through the world of the Massage and Bodywork Licensing Exam. It's the Mblex Test Prep Podcast. Uh, once again, my name is David. Um, for for anyone who does not know, um, I run Mblex Test Prep, which is a test preparation website slash study guide slash podcast designed to help you, the student, prepare for and pass the Mblex. So just a couple quick updates. Uh, I know I keep mentioning this pathology book that I've been writing. As far as I know, it is done, uh, <laughs> which is a huge weight off my shoulders having that uh, pathology book finished. Uh, so I have ordered a proof copy I, I'm waiting for it to come in the mail. Should be here in a couple days. Then I get to read through all of it and make sure everything looks good, sounds good, uh, dare I say, feels good. Uh, and then if everything is up to snuff, the book is released. So look for it. Probably in the next couple weeks, it'll be available on Amazon, or you can go to my website, mblextestprep.com. I will have a link there to purchase the uh, pathology book. So this is a, a great book for people who aren't just preparing for the Mblex, but after you're done with the Mblex and you are a licensed massage therapist, you're going to need to keep up on all of these diseases and stuff. It's a great reference book. Uh, so definitely check it out. Uh, full color photos and everything. It's going to be amazing. Amazing. I cannot wait to hold it in my hand and I can't wait for you to have it in your hand and learn from it. Um, other than that, um, that that's basically what I've been working on lately. Um, I do have a, the this podcast, trying to do an episode, at least an episode every month. So this is your monthly edition of the Mblex Test Prep Podcast. Uh, this is going to be a really good one. This one, we're going over study skills, test-taking techniques, and tips that you can use to reduce test anxiety, which I know a lot of people have trouble with. This is a, this might be the most important podcast you could listen to from me. Uh, so definitely get ready to take some notes uh, and put a lot of these skills and tips to use. Okay, So when I return from this quick break, we will begin. There will not be a question of the week this week. Uh, this podcast is going to be pretty long. Uh, and I value your time uh, as much as you do. So um, we're, we're just kind of jumping into it today. Just uh, you'll, you'll like it, I promise. All right, so I'm going to take a quick break. And when, we, when I return, we'll get started. Alright, so today, in this exciting episode, we're going to talk about something that might be possibly the most useful information that you could get from this podcast. We're going to talk about study skills, test-taking techniques, and ways that you could possibly reduce your test anxiety, because lots of people have test anxiety, and, and that can be one of the reasons that people actually fail the test. It's not that they don't know the information. It's just that they freak out 
so much when they're confronted with this information. When when it's go time, um, maybe not the <laughs> you're you're not op- your brain isn't operating the way it really should. Um, so let's start with our study skills. So studying, of course, is going to be the one of the most important things you can do for the MBLEX, but a lot of people don't really know how to properly study. They think that sitting in front of a book or in front of a computer for hours and hours and hours on end is going to get them the the desired result. And for a small amount of people, maybe that's the case. But I'm all about efficiency and effectiveness, and I want you to study and be able to retain the most information with the least amount of work involved. Okay, so let's talk about our study skills. Okay, so cramming is something that a lot of people tend to do. Um, there, there comes a point where it's okay to cram, and it's okay not to. Um, of course, the night before your test or the day of your test, you're going to study as much as you possibly can, right? That's fine, but that can't be the only studying that you do in preparation for this test. Uh, This test covers a lot of information, and you need to consistently study, okay? So it's, it's not a case where you can study for a night or two, and then go into the test and probably be fine. Most people can't do that. And as somebody that's taught test test preparation courses for years uh, and provided people with these study guides for years, I know that it's just – it's not a feasible uh, study plan just waiting until the last possible second to go over a lot of this stuff because a lot of students, they wait – you know, a month or two after they're done with school to take their test. And if you're putting off all that information that you learned from school until like, you know, for a couple months until the day or or two before your test, you're not going to remember a lot of it. That's just how it works. Okay. So you need to study consistently over a long period of time. Now, I, I tend to think that one month is plenty of time for you to study everything. And in my study guide, which you can purchase on Amazon, just search for MBLEX Test Prep Complete Study Guide for the MBLEX. Uh, If you don't see my name on it, it ain't my book. Just be aware of that. Um, if, If you purchase that book, I lay out a complete study plan for you that covers... Uh, about an entire month, uh, maybe a little over a month, but um, a month nonetheless. And I think it, it, I mean, it's something that works for me when I'm studying for something. So definitely check that out. If you have my study guide, if you don't have my study guide, go purchase my study guide. After you purchase my study guide, please leave a review of my study guide on Amazon. I would appreciate that. Okay. So do not cram. Make sure you are studying consistently. Um, If that's every night, so be it. If that's every two nights, so be it. As long as you are getting in a rhythm and studying on a consistent basis over and over and over again, making sure that you have this information down, that's a lot better than cramming at the last minute. Okay. During your schooling, you are given assignments, homework, Uh, I imagine you do projects and 
and write reports and all that stuff, you should have copies of all of your homework. You should have all of the notes that you've taken during class. You need to use all of this material to study with. This is all stuff that you could be tested on. Going back to your very first day in school to your very last day in school, you need to keep all of it. You need to study with all of it. Now, if you have my study guide, I kind of make that easier for you. I kind of condense everything down. This isn't all good, just going to be a big shill for my study guide, I promise. Um, but there's, I mean, there is stuff in your notes that isn't in my study guide that you could possibly be tested on. Of course, I don't work for the FSMTB. I don't know what's going to be on your test, okay? So make sure you are studying all of that information, just to be sure, absolutely 100% sure that you have studied everything that you could possibly be tested on. Okay, There's a reason that your instructors might have you do something like a report on a subject. It's because reports help you learn. Okay, So there's nothing wrong with assigning yourself homework or reports to do on something that maybe you don't know that much about. I still remember reports that I wrote when I was in school, and that was, oh man, I don't want to date myself, a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Okay, but I still remember the reports that I did and what specifically happens with that one specific disease. Um, an example, uh, oh geez, costochondritis. I did a report on that, uh, and I still, I, I still remember what goes on with that. Uh, to this day, just because I did that report. So if you are having trouble with something like a disease or a body system or something like that, assign yourself a report just like your instructor would assign you. Do that. Um, turn it in to yourself or a fellow classmate or even your instructor. Say, grade this report for me. And that can help you learn that information that maybe you're having trouble with. Okay, So use all of your past homework and schoolwork if you need to assign yourself more schoolwork, then do it, okay? Okay, while you're studying, you need to take breaks. Now, a lot of people are a little confused on how long they need to take a break uh, and how long they need to study. Um, so, how long do you study for? Think about this for a second. How long do you study for before you take a break? And a break can be something as short as, you know, 10 seconds. It can be something like getting up and using a restroom or fixing yourself a snack or something like that. Just something that separates your brain from that studying. How long do you study for before you take a break? Because I guarantee it's too long, okay? You should be studying for 10 minutes at a time. 10 minutes? What? That's, that's insane. That's way too short a time. Here's the reason, though. Your brain, this is called the cereal position effect, and I'm not talking about uh, breakfast cereal, as delicious as it is. Cereal position effect. Your memory, your brain retains information better at the beginning and end of study sessions than stuff that you might study in the middle of a study session. Okay, so... An example, if you are studying for an hour straight, you're going to remember maybe the first 10 minutes of that hour and the last 10 minutes. Or we can even increase it. You're going to remember the first 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes. But that leaves 30 minutes 
of information that you are going to have trouble remembering, bringing back uh, into your conscious memory because your study session is too long. So you should shorten your study sessions, and that's going to reduce the amount of material that you're going to have to restudy and relearn. Okay, so you shorten it to 10 minutes, you're going to remember maybe the first three or four minutes, you're going to remember the last three or four minutes. So that leaves maybe maybe three minutes right in the middle of that study session that you're going to have to restudy. So you average that out over an hour, that's, that's you know, 15 minutes worth of stuff that you have to restudy, as opposed to if you do an hour, you have half an hour or more that you have to restudy. It seems a lot better to me. You're cutting your restudy time in half. Okay, so so just try it. Study for 10 minutes, take a break. And it, again, it doesn't have to be like a 10-minute break. Just make it something short that separates, that disconnects your brain from the studying. Okay, 10 minutes. And if you want to read up on it, um, again, it's called the serial position effect, S-E-R-I-A-L, serial position effect. Uh, check it out. Okay, you should stud- You should focus on one subject at a time when you are studying. Now, I know a lot of this is interconnected. You know, anatomy and physiology connects with pathology, connects with kinesiology, which all connects with massage therapy. But what you want to do is you want to focus on that one specific subject at a time. Say, I'm, fo- I'm, I'm just studying pathology today. That's all I'm studying. Now, when you start Jumping around from subject to subject, you can start getting a little confused. You can start mixing up information and something like this. Test, you do not want to do that with. Okay, so if you if if tonight is your night to study massage therapy, that is all you're studying. You're not going to look at massage therapy. You're not going to look at something like effleurage and say, oh, yeah, effleurage, that's, uh, that increases circulation. I wonder... How it increases circuit. Let's let's jump over to the cardiovascular system and check it out. And then you go over to the anatomy and physiology. It's just don't do that. Okay. There will come a time and a place where you can study that other information. Okay. Just focus on one subject at a time. Okay. So something that a lot of people do in everyday everyday life, not just studying, but with everything, uh, they kind of stay in their comfort zone. Now, if you are studying and you know that you are weak in one area, what should you do? You should study that information, right? One would think. But what a lot of people do is they kind of don't study that information. They put it off. They say, I don't really want to do that because I don't like it. I don't understand the material. It makes me uncomfortable. It makes me feel not as smart as I hope I am or think I am. Um, and that's something that you need to not do. Okay. This information, you are going to, you're going to get this information by studying the stuff that you don't know, right? If you don't, if you just avoid the stuff you don't know, you're not going to learn that information just magically overnight, right? You need to study the information that you don't know, even if it makes you uncomfortable. And that's how you get better at the stuff that you don't know. You actually study it. Okay. So what you should do is you should figure out what you need to study the most, what you are, what area you're weakest in. 
Okay, so massage therapy, A&P, pathology, kinesiology. Figure out which one of those subjects you need the most work in. I can almost guarantee it's kinesiology, uh, origins, insertions, actions, innervations, synergists, and antagonists. A lot of people have problems with that, so don't feel bad if that's you. Um, you need to figure out what you need to work on and then work on that the most, right? I'd rather... I would rather you be 80% proficient in A&P, uh, in pathology and massage therapy, and and also 80% proficient in kinesiology than having you be 100% proficient in massage and A&P and, and pathology and only, I don't know, 40, 30% proficient in kinesiology because it's that that subject that you are weak in that could cost you the test because you didn't study it, okay? So even if you're sacrificing some time from studying the other other subjects, make sure you study the one you're weakest in the most, all right? What do you need to improve on the least is what you what you need to also figure out. You know, if 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 you need to study massage therapy the least, then you're going to study that the least. You're going to study kinesiology the most because you don't need to work on massage therapy that much, but you need to work on kinesiology a lot more. Okay, I hope that makes sense. So figure out what you need to study and then study it. Figure out what you don't need to study as much and then don't study it as much. It's, I mean, makes sense to me. Okay. So while you are studying, you should be taking notes. Okay. Notes are really important when it comes to studying. And you're going to, your, your brain is going to remember. You're going to remember taking notes on a lot of this information, especially if it's something that you are unsure of. Now, taking notes, it, it can be something as simple as just writing down information that you hear or you see somewhere. It can be something uh, fun that you might remember doing a lot more, like uh, drawing an associated picture that goes with that note. So you can you can draw a picture, you can write a note with a picture, you can decorate the note as you see fit. Uh, just something that'll help you remember that a little bit more. Okay, so make sure you're taking notes. I even though you have a study guide, hopefully. Uh, my hopefully my study guide, which you can order on Amazon.com. Uh, I, I promise I won't keep shelling. Um, if you have a study guide, even though it's a study guide, you should still be taking notes. If you are listening to my podcasts, I do go into uh, I go more in depth on a lot of this information than what I do in the in the study guide. So if there's information I talk about on the podcast or in the videos that are associated with the podcast or the, the study guide uh, that isn't in the study guide, make sure you write that information down. Okay. And if you're using other books, other study materials, if you're using all of your old classwork to study with, write down notes that you get from that stuff that you need to learn. Okay. Those notes that you um, that you take, you should make flashcards out of them. Then you can just practice really quickly using those notes. Okay. So take notes, take notes, take notes, take notes, take notes. Okay. I'm going to, from personal experience, I, I cannot tell you how much this next one 
has helped me teach the information that you are trying to learn to somebody else. Okay, so here's here's what's here's here's why teaching really really works. It means you have to know the information, right? Even if you're unsure, you you need to be able to put the terms you need to be able to put the information into the simplest terms possible to where somebody else is going to understand it. Okay. Now what that does is that puts a memory in your head of you talking about this specific information to somebody else. So you're going to remember using exact terms with somebody else. You're going to remember that and you're going to say, Oh yeah, I talked about that information with that specific person. And here's exactly what I said. So that's the information. Okay. And it does it. I mean, ideally it's going to be with somebody that can give you feedback and, and say, yeah, I understand what you're saying or not. Uh, but it, I mean, it doesn't have to be. Okay. So here's an example. Um, I used to work at a career college and I was tasked with teaching, uh, constitution day every September 17th. So Constitution Day, uh, for any school that's funded by the government, they have to teach a course on the American Constitution on September 17th, which is the day the Constitution was uh, ratified. Anyway, uh, so the night before I taught my very first one, to a large group of people, it's about 100 people, 100 students I had to teach this class to, the, the night before that, I taught the Constitution Day course to my cats. So they learned all about the U.S. Constitution. I'm sure they could all tell you what the first state to ratify the U.S. Constitution was. and It's Delaware, by the way. Uh, I'm sure they could tell you the last state to ratify the Constitution, which made it law of the land, which is New Hampshire. Anyway, not important. The, the fact is, I taught the course to my cats, and that helped me prepare and learn a lot of that information. You know, I already knew a decent amount of that information, but there was some stuff in that presentation that I didn't know. And because I taught it to the cats, I remembered the next day, oh yeah, this means this, and this happened, and then this happened, and, and this amendment is this, and this amendment is this. All because I taught the course to my cats, okay? So teach the information that you are trying to learn to somebody else, and that can help you remember that information. Okay. It's, it, it works incredibly well. Okay. So I, I mean, I would not be where I am today with this podcast today, unless I had started teaching it because that helped me learn all this stuff all over again and get me a lot better at it. Okay. So, I mean, there's a reason I can name off tons and tons of origins and insertions and actions because I've taught it over and over and over again. I, it's drilled into my skull because I've taught it and other people have learned the information because of me. Okay. So teach stuff to people. I, I cannot stress that enough. Just try it. Okay. You should understand the material that you're studying. Don't just try to memorize um, certain terms or certain answers that you might see on the test because you might not see those terms on the test. Now, the school I used to work at, uh, it kind of drove me nuts. I wasn't responsible for, I mean, I was responsible for teaching the test prep class, but I wasn't responsible for teaching the main class. And in the main class, especially with something like kinesiology, they would use 
uh, the kind of these cheat terms for these muscles that were supposed to kind of tell you what these muscles did, but they didn't really. People would only remember the names. Like, a, like an example is the latissimus dorsi. People would remember that latissimus dorsi is the swimmer's muscle, quote-unquote, swimmer's muscle, because it's the muscle that performs the actions that you do when you are swimming. But they wouldn't connect the latissimus dorsi with those specific actions. They would only connect latissimus dorsi with swimmer's muscle, if that makes sense. Uh, makes perfect sense to me. So swimmer's muscle, yes, it it can help as long as you associate with those specific actions and you don't just rely on the term swimmer's muscle for being the the key word to remember with latissimus dorsi. Okay. So certain stuff like that, it's it's just don't rely on those. Just understand the material. Really learn the information. And then after you kind of have learned the information, then you can come up with those little terms, little devices, memory devices to help you remember a lot of that information. Okay? So don't rely on that stuff. Just learn the information first. And then you can come up with those with those cheat terms that'll help you in a pinch. Okay. Now let's talk about a study skill that we can use specifically with the muscles. Now this is something that I do when I am teaching. Um, something that you can do. Ho hopefully you can do. Uh, most of you can do. A lot of you have spouses, significant others, children, uh, fellow classmates. What I recommend you doing, especially when you are trying to study kinesiology, is actually draw the muscles on somebody. You need to figure out where the origin is, where the insertion is, and then you connect the muscles at those points. Now, I, I know it's, it sounds ridiculous. I mean, kids will love it. Kids love being drawn on and stuff. Um, but what, what this does is it gets a visual in your head of where these muscles are in the body. Okay, and that can help you remember, oh yeah, the origin is proximal to the insertion. So the origin is up here. And what was that point that I am drawing right there? Um, I don't know, whatever muscle you want to use. Just draw the muscles on people. Okay, I do this on myself when I'm teaching class. Um, not every muscle, of course. <laughs> mostly, mostly just the biceps and the brachialis, stuff like stuff that I can easily access. But it really helps the students because, you know, a lot of people don't have access to something like a cadaver where you can actually see a lot of the muscles inside the body, exactly where they are, what they look like, um, how they're arranged in the body with other muscles. So if you, if you don't have something like that, draw the muscles on somebody and it helps you kind of connect everything. Cause we all, we all see pictures of the muscles, but they're all drawings. They're all 3d renderings. There is just, there's something different, something better about seeing the muscle exactly how it is in the body, even if that's on top of the skin. Okay. So draw muscles, uh, make sure you identify the origins and insertions and then, and then perform the action that the muscle is supposed to do. And you'll see how the origin moves or the insertion moves towards the origin and how the joint specifically moves as a result. 
Okay, so try doing that. And like I said, kids love it uh, when you when you draw on them. The, the fun fun family activity, drawing muscles on each other. So let's move on to our test taking tips. Now this is also one of the most important things that you can do when you are preparing for your test is learning how to actually take a test. Okay, so let's talk about some tips. Now, hopefully, you have study, study um, practice tests, stuff like that in my study guide. You can practice taking the tests using these test-taking tips, and I really highly recommend that. It gets you in the mode of, of taking a test, knowing how to take a test. You should be able to do well on any test if you know a lot of these test-taking tips. So let's talk about them. And, and these can help if you know how to take a test. It can help reduce your test anxiety as well. Okay, So make sure you know how to take a test. Let's talk about it. Okay, the first thing you want to do before you take the test is go to the restroom. Now, the the MBLEX itself is about two hours long. You have two hours to finish it. You're not going to be in there for the full two hours. In, in, in my teaching career, I have only had one student that didn't finish the test because she did things that she was not supposed to do on the test. Um, so, two hours, you have less than two hours. If you haven't gone to the restroom, your bladder or other regions of your body uh, may fill with waste. And your body, I mean, your body can't shut that off, you know, that urge to, to you know, do, do what you got to do. As Ian Malcolm once said, when you got to go, you got to go. So your brain is going to start getting distracted if you have to pee during your test and that's going to take the focus off of the exam and put it on other parts of your body that you don't need to focus on necessarily at that time okay so go to the restroom before you take the exam it's just that easy most testing centers there's a restroom right nearby just stop in right before you take your test um use it and then you hopefully won't be distracted. I mean, if you can't go less than two hours without using a restroom, uh, maybe you need to get checked out or something, okay? So use a restroom beforehand so you are 100% focused on the test, not anything that's going on uh, waste-wise with your body, okay? Now, when you get a test question, what you need to do is you need to read that question slowly and carefully, Okay, you do not speed through reading a test question. And there, there are reasons why you don't want to speed through it. I know we don't like taking tests. Most people don't like taking tests, and they want to get through it as quickly as possible. But when you start speeding through these tests, what happens is you might miss a word that completely changes the test, you might start making assumptions about what you think the test question is asking as opposed to what it actually is asking. Okay, You might miss some, a lot of those terms and say, I, where some, you might miss a term like, um, all of the following are, do this action except this muscle. And, and um, you, th you, 
you look at that action and, you, and then you go down to the answer and you say, oh, yeah, that muscle does that action, when it's actually asking which muscle doesn't do that action, okay? So you every single word in every single question you need to read and understand, okay? And if, it, if you need to read a question a few times to make sure you understand it, then do it. Especially those longer questions, because those longer questions can throw in some stuff that might uh, might confuse you, might trick you a little bit. Not that they're necessarily trying to trick you. It's just the wording on that exam is is so weird compared to every other test that you've taken. You want to make sure you know exactly what it's saying. Okay, so every single word in every single question you need to read. Okay. Sometimes multiple times you need to read these questions just to make sure that you've got them. Okay, so be extra thorough when you are reading your questions. Don't even jump to the answer. Don't even look at the answers until you have read the question and you understand the question. If that takes you a few attempts at reading the question, so be it. Just make sure you understand what the question is asking. Okay? In each test question, there are key words. Now, key words are the words that pretty much tell you what the question is asking. Okay? So, an example could be, which of the following statements is true regarding Swedish massage? So, there are two key words in that question. Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it again, try to identify the two key words that tell you what the question is asking. Now, you can read it yourself. You can say it yourself. See if you can identify the words that you are putting emphasis on because chances are those are going to be the questions. Those are going to be the key words in the question. Okay? So here's the question again. Which of the following statements is true regarding Swedish massage? So the two key words there True and Swedish, okay? So if the question said, which of the following statements is false regarding Swedish massage, it's completely different, right? If it said, which of the following statements is true regarding deep tissue massage, it's a completely different statement, different question, right? So make sure you identify those key words and and. If you read it silently in your head, you should still be able to identify the key words. Just which words are you emphasizing? You, you do it all the time when you read test questions. Maybe you just don't know that you do it. So something I do, I always try to identify the key words, uh, make it a point to say, that's a key word, that's a key word. And if it's a long question, I identify the key words. I, I kind of I whittle it down to, okay, these are the key words. It's basically just asking this. It's just that simple. Make sure you identify your key words, okay? And when you're taking, when you're taking uh, practice tests, uh, especially in my book, I would recommend circling, highlighting, underlining, doing something to identify the keywords. Just get into a habit of doing that, and you're going to be a lot better off, okay? Oh, this next one. Man, this one drives me nuts when students do this. Okay, here we go. I'm going to go on a rant. Do not change your answers unless you misread the question. 
Do you change your answers on tests? Be honest with me. Do you change your answers when you take tests? I know you do. You have to. Everybody does. Everybody does. Now, here's another question. Does it work? If your answer is no, maybe you just don't want to do it anymore? Seems kind of common sense to me. If, if you're doing something on your test that doesn't work, if you are changing your, your answers from an answer that's right to an answer that's wrong, and it doesn't work, why are you still doing it? You know? The first answer that you put is usually correct. Your brain just kind of gravitates towards the correct answer if you know the information. The longer you sit and stare at that question, the more you're going to start second-guessing yourself, and then you're going to change the answer just because because you're like, oh, I answered that too quickly. I do, that can't be the right answer. Even though it is the right answer, you're just going to talk yourself out of the answer. Okay, Don't do that. Just knock it off. Don't change answers. Okay, It doesn't work. For 99% of people, it does not work when they change their answers. And you, I guarantee you're not one of the 1% that it does work for. Okay, So do not change your answers. The second you have answered the question and you are sure that that's the answer that you think it is, you move on. You do not go back to that question. And, you, and if, if any of you tell me that you have been changing your answers, I will be extremely disappointed. Just undo it, please, please. Don't change your answer. It doesn't work. Answer it. Move on. Okay, I'm done with my rant. When you are taking a test, when you are looking at the questions, specifically the answers, usually they're going to throw in two answers that have nothing to do with what the actual answer is. They're going to have two answers. One's right, one is close to right, and then two are absolutely wrong. So what you should do is identify the wrong answers and completely eliminate them. Okay, Just get them, get them out of your head 100%. Now what that does, it be, being able to eliminate answers is really important. Okay, So... In a case where you, where it's a question where maybe you just still just don't know the answer, still look at the answers and figure out which ones it can't be. Okay, so if you figure out which ones it can't be, sometimes that can that can lead you to what it actually is, what the answer actually is. Okay, so let's say I get a test question where I I just um, well. Let, Let's let's use this one as, as an example. Of the following, which is not contagious? Athlete's foot, herpes simplex, influenza, Osgood slaughter disease. I'll read it again. Of the following, which is not contagious? Athlete's foot, herpes simplex, influenza, Osgood slaughter disease. So a couple of those you know that they are contagious, right? I mean, 100%, you know they're contagious. So whatever two you know are absolutely contagious, eliminate those. Athlete's foot, herpes simplex, influenza, osgood Schlatter disease. Do you know what osgood Schlatter disease is? A lot of people don't. It's in my study guide, though. So you, I mean, if you have my study guide, you should know it. Look it up. So if, if, if you are able to look at all of those answers, say, is athlete's foot contagious? Uh, I don't know. Is herpes simplex contagious? Yes. Eliminate that. Uh, 
just eliminating one answer from something that from a question you may not even know even if you are randomly picking an answer from the remaining 3 that's a much better chance you have a much better chance of getting that right just by eliminating that one answer it takes your odds of getting that question right from 25% all the way up to 33%. So it's a 1 in 3 chance as opposed to 1 in 4. If you are able to eliminate another answer, influenza, that is highly contagious, then you have a 50-50 chance of getting it right. Okay? So athlete's foot or Osgood slaughter disease. Well, if you know that athlete's foot is contagious, you can eliminate that one too. So what, what did you just do? Even though you don't know what Osgood slaughter disease is, you answered that question because you were able to identify that athlete's foot herpes simplex and influenza are all contagious. Okay? So even if you can only eliminate one answer, do it. And that can help immensely. Something else you need to do in regards to the question is read the entire question before looking at the answers. And I know I, I went into this huge thing about reading every single word and every single question, but it's true. And you need to do that again before you look at the answers. You need to make absolutely sure you know what the question is asking before you try looking at the answers. You don't want the answers influencing your understanding of the question, okay? Understand the question first. And then you can look at the answers and, and see if anything matches up with the question. Okay? So read the, the entire question before you look at the answers. You, again, you don't want the answers influencing what you think the question is asking. Okay? Some, when you, after you read the entire question, you understand the question, something you should do before you look at the answers is try to come up with the answer in your head. So, when you do this, the answer that you come up with is generally going to be more correct than any other answer. Okay? So, if you're able to come up with the answer in your head, that means you kind of know the information, doesn't it? Then you go down to the answers. If you think you know what the answer is, you go down to the answers, and, and that answer that you came up with is one of those answers, then chances are that's going to be the right answer. So, you pick it and move on. Okay? So it even if you're if 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 you come up with an answer in your head and it's not one of the answers listed at least you can take that information that you came up with and say well it wasn't this obviously but why did I think it was this and is it something that's really similar to this is, did I just get confused by something along the way okay so come up with the answer in your head before you try looking at all of the answers, and that can help you get the answer right. Okay. Speaking of the answers, something that you really want to do is read every single answer. Sorry, there's a, there's an ambulance driving through this intersection that I'm looking at, and it's, it's uh, blaring its horn. That's how you know that this is serious stuff. You need to read every single answer given in that test question to make sure that you are picking the most correct answer. Now, how these tests work is, again, they'll have an answer that's right, they'll have an answer that's, that's close to being right, and then they'll have a couple of answers that just don't make any sense. Unfortunately, I've experienced, uh, even with the MBLEX itself, one 
question having multiple right answers. Now, you need to be able to pick the most correct answer. Okay, so don't just assume because the first answer that you see you think is right that you could just answer it and move on. You need to read every single answer provided to make sure that you are picking the most correct answer because one answer could be right, but another answer could be more right. Okay, so I, I can't stress that enough. Just read every single answer that they give you. Okay. Now let's talk about physiologically. What what should you do to prepare for this test to to do better on this test? Staying hydrated is unbelievably important to the proper functioning of your brain. Okay, so make sure you that you are properly hydrated before you take the test. If your brain, if you don't have enough water in your body, your brain's not going to function properly because water is a way for stuff like electrolytes to move throughout your body, right? And electrolytes help the electricity move throughout our body. So if we don't have enough water, then our brain isn't going to function as well as it should. So make sure you are properly hydrated before the tests start. I mean, you should be properly hydrated anyway. It's just that important. Make sure that you are properly hydrated before this test. Drink plenty of water, um... And it'll, I mean, it'll help. Okay. Something else that you should do physically, you should exercise before the exam. Now, I'm not talking about maybe going out and, and, and banging weights or anything like that, like I might do. Um, you don't have to, to set a personal record at the bench press or anything. Just something that elevates your heart rate and maybe your blood pressure a little, gets the blood flowing. Okay. Helps to jog your memory a little bit. Um, and hey, let's talk about studying while we're exercising too. Studying while exercising, I mean, studies have been done on people that study while exercising versus those that don't. And it shows that people that study while exercising actually perform better on tests than people that don't. They retain that information better. Okay, so exercise is really good for your body, really good for your brain. That's one of the reasons I do it, not just to make my arms look enormous, which they are. Uh, it's to help me feel good about me, myself, it helps with my proper brain functioning as, I mean, as, apparently it's not working right now uh, as I try to speak. But it's really good for your brain, your mind. Uh, and, and your body. So get out there and exercise before your test. Something that I recommend students do is just, just take a walk, you know, a 20 minute walk. You know, that's about a mile. Just walk a mile before you go take the test. Okay. You don't have to run. You, again, you, you don't have to go do a bunch of squats. Um, you don't have to do deadlifts or bench press or anything like that. Just do a little bit of exercise. You can do some jumping jacks. You can do some push ups if you want. Uh, it helps for sure. Okay, so exercise before you take your test, and that can be the difference between you passing and failing. And it's good for you. Now let's discuss test anxiety and ways that you could possibly reduce the amount of anxiety that you get. Now, when we're taking a test, obviously everybody's going to be a little on edge, uh, a little nervous about the test. And I've taken this test even after I've been licensed. And uh, even then, I was still just a little nervous taking it. Even though I knew I would pass, 
I was I still had a little bit of nerves, okay? But I know there are some people that have really bad test anxiety. I, I've had a couple students. Um, one, she she had her test anxiety was so bad. She failed the test four times just because of test anxiety. And when she's in class with me, like she knew the information. It's just she couldn't translate that over to the test when it was time to take the test, the actual test. Uh, finally, she passed it after her fifth try. So never give up, kids. Never give up. But, um, I mean, that's that's just one example of the test anxiety that some people can have and how bad it can be. Okay, so, I mean, I've had, I've had students, like they're straight-A students, they know absolutely everything, and when they get into that test, they just, their mind goes blank, and they end up failing the test, and, you know, the next time they pass it, because they have experience with, with the test, they aren't as nervous the second time, but that first time, they're just, ugh. Very frustrating, very frustrating. I know plenty of you out there have problems with test anxiety. So let's talk about some ways that we can possibly reduce test anxiety. So what do you think is the easiest way to reduce test anxiety besides drug or alcohol? Which don't do not do that. Do not go into a test on, on any sort of uh, drugs or alcohol. Uh, if you know the information you're not going to be as stressed out about the test, right? I hope not. So studying consistently over and over again, making sure that you know the information is the best way to reduce anxiety. If you know the information, you're not going to be as stressed out about it when the time comes to take the test, more than likely, right? So know the information, study Study, study, everything. Uh, all of the study skills that we talked about earlier, make sure you implement those into your study routine so that you know the information and you're not going to stress out as much when you go to actually take the test because you'll know the information. I, I, I know studying, obviously, is something that you want to do when you are looking to reduce anxiety, but a lot of people, it's, they still have problems. So try to study as much as possible, learn as much as possible. If you know the information when you go to take that test, you're not going to be as stressed out about it. Okay. Keep a positive attitude while you're preparing for the test. And I've seen this before. People have negative attitudes about this test because they, their confidence is so low. They don't see any point in studying or trying to prepare for the test. And when they get into the test, they don't know the information because they didn't study it. They say, what's the point? I'm going to fail it anyway. That's not the attitude you want to have. If you put in the work, if you put in the time to study, if you practice your test-taking techniques you will be extremely well prepared for this test. You won't be as stressed out about it. If you have a negative attitude, you're going to say, again, what's the point? I'm not going to study. I'm not going to pass the test anyway. And then chances are you're going to fail the test. Okay, so have that positive attitude. Uh, be willing to do things like study and taking practice tests and, and making flashcards, even though I have flashcards uh, for you on the website that you get access to if you purchase my study guide. Uh, 
just do all of those little things and that helps to prepare you and have a good attitude about it saying, I know that this is going to help me, so that's why I'm going to do it and I'm not going to complain about it because I chose to do massage therapy. I need to take the Mblex. I need to pass the Mblex. This is how I'm going to do it. Okay, Keep a positive attitude. Sometimes a negative attitude is okay, though. It's okay to have negative thoughts. You can think, uh, you know, what is going to happen? What's going to happen if I fail the test? You know, thinking about the, the bad consequences can be a good thing because that can also motivate you to do the things necessary to keep you from failing the test. Okay, so what happens if you fail the test? You have to take it again. You have to pay for it again. Uh, you have to put in all that time to study again. And that's not something you want to do, right? You don't get to start your career as soon as you wanted. You're not making as much money as you could be, right? So all, all things to think about while you're preparing for your test and why you want to have a positive attitude about it. Okay, during your test, you should... I know, I know easier said than done, this next one. Try to stay relaxed as much as possible. Um, again, it's a test, you know? We, we all have all of these hang-ups about tests, and sometimes other people get really stressed out. Some people don't get stressed out at all. I typically don't get stressed out very much about tests, especially if it's something that I know, Okay. The more you stress out, the harder the test is going to be. You're going to try to rush through it because you don't like – I mean, it's, it's a psychological thing. You know, it's our, it's our sympathetic nervous response where our body wants to get out of this situation as quickly as possible. So what we're going to end up doing is we're going to take this test as quickly as possible. We're not going to read every single word and every single question. We're not going to look at all the answers. We're not going to identify key words. We're not going to just – take our time, you know, we're not going to pay attention and we're going to end up failing. Okay. Uh, so try to stay relaxed, try to be as calm as possible while taking the test. Okay. If you need to use breathing techniques to calm yourself down, do it. If you, um, if you need to just take a minute or two to yourself. Again, you have about two hours to finish this test. If you need to take a minute or two of that time to just close your eyes and breathe and calm down, you can do it, okay? So just try to stay as calm as possible while taking this test. Because stressing out about it during the test isn't going to help you, okay? You should take your time on the test. Now, like I was just talking about, sometimes you might start rushing through the test. You might start answering things too quickly. Uh, you can't go back on this test. How the test works is it's an adaptive test, so the test changes as you take it. The more questions you get right in a row, the harder the questions get. So after you answer a question, it doesn't let you go back to that question and change your answer. Okay. Otherwise, everybody would just answer all of the easy questions wrong and then get nothing but easy questions, then go back to the very first question, then re-answer them um, after they get all of those questions. So they get nothing but easy questions. That's, that's just not how it's going to work. Okay. So you can't go back and change your answers. So you need to take your time. So after you've decided on your answer, look over it one more time just to make absolutely sure you read the entire question. 
you I, you know what the question is asking. You read all of the answers. You know which answer you want to pick, and then move on. Now, what I what I've seen some students do is if they don't know a question, they'll sit there for minutes and minutes and minutes just looking at the question, uh, and that's not going to get you to where you want to be. You want to, of course, do all of your test-taking techniques, but at the end of the day, if you still don't know the answer after you've done stuff like eliminating answers and identifying keywords and reading the question multiple times, etc., etc., if you've done all of those and you still have no idea what the answer is, just pick an answer and move on. I know that's counterintuitive to everything that I'm saying, but at some point, you're going to find a question on that test you don't know the answer to. You will have never seen that information before because it happened to me. It happened to every single one of my students. It's going to happen to you. You're going to be tested on something that you've never, ever seen before in your entire life, in school or otherwise. That's just how, how, how much information... How many test questions are in their test bank, the FSMTB? They have stuff that nobody's seen before. Okay, So don't be afraid to just answer a question and move on if you just, for some reason, don't know the answer. Okay, Because the longer you sit there and stare at that question, the more self-doubt is going to creep into your mind. And then that's going to affect the next question, and then the next question, and then the next question. So if you don't know the answer after a few minutes, if you can't answer it after a few minutes, just pick an answer and move on. You're not going to get every question right. That's not how this test works. I didn't get every question right when I took it. I don't know a single student that's gotten every question right ever. Okay, You're not going to get every question right. You're, even if you're a perfectionist, you're not going to do it. So if you don't know the answer, pick one and move on. It's okay to get a question wrong because it's going to happen. Okay? Just don't get too many of them wrong. And that's why we study. So when we come up to those questions that we just absolutely don't know, it's okay to just move on because we're going to get all those other questions right. Okay? So don't stress out and think that you have to get every question right. Again, it's an adaptive test. The more questions you get right in a row, the harder the questions get. So if you start getting super obscure, hard, difficult questions, that means you're doing really well. Okay, So start thinking a positive during your test when you start getting those really hard questions because that means you're actually doing really well. If you get a bunch of easy questions, that means you're getting a bunch of easy questions wrong. And then we have... A problem. Okay, so again, finally, if you if you don't know the answer to a question uh, after a few minutes and you've done all of your test taking techniques, just select an answer and move on, and just put it out of your mind. Like like I said, you don't have to get every question right. You're not going to get every question right, so don't worry about it. Okay. Okay. So those are a few things that you can do to help yourself get a better score on the MBLEX, possibly pass the MBLEX. That would be awesome, right? I'm rooting for it. I would love it if you would pass the MBLEX right here, right now, or, well, maybe not right now or right here. You, I, I don't think you're allowed to listen to the podcast while you're taking the test, but what in a future date. Um, hopefully, you're listening to this right before 
you take your tests for those testing tips and uh, and tips on reducing test anxiety. Now, something I always recommend when you take the test, uh, the testing center. I took my test at a Pearson View testing center. Now, at Pearson View, I'm not sure how it works at, at other testing centers. At, Pe- at Pearson View, you usually get a piece of laminated paper and a marker that you can write whatever you want on at any point during the test. So if you want to take notes or write down information for later uh, that you can use in the test, you can do it. Now, what I recommend, and this will really help when it comes to taking your test, before you even start the test, the second you're able to, on that piece of paper, write down as many test-taking techniques as you can remember, okay? Stuff like identify keywords, eliminate answers, take your time, relax, etc., etc. Basically, everything that we just talked about. Make little bullet points out of each one of those. And that way, when you're taking your test, you can just go down the list. Am I doing this? Am I doing this? Am I eliminating answers? Yes. Am I identifying keywords? Yes. Okay. It just reminds you. So when you get to those really hard questions, you're not freaking out and you're, you're, you actually, it gives you a list of things to do to try to increase your chance of getting that question right. Okay. So before you even start taking the test, write down those test-taking techniques and constantly refer back to them. I would do it during every single test question that I am looking at just to make extra sure that I'm covering all bases. Okay, So I highly recommend doing that. Please put it into practice on my website. Uh, if you take the practice test on my website, you'll notice up in the corner I have a few test-taking techniques written down there. Um, it's the same concept. I'm trying to get you into, into the habit of looking at those and reminding yourself to do those. So just do them constantly over and over again, um, and you'll be a lot better off for it. Okay, so I think that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, we're not going to do a question of the week this week because I just gave you a few questions while we're talking about this and this podcast is already super long as it is i don't want to uh i don't i don't want to hold you up any longer from what you have to do with the rest of your day or evening or morning or afternoon whatever whatever time it is you're listening to this okay so get to studying review this podcast over and over again if you need to to get as many tips down as as you can get uh and hopefully this helps at least one person pass the emblex hopefully i know it will if you actually listen to me trust me this stuff works okay so until next time this is david uh have a wonderful evening day morning again whatever time it is all right take it easy